0: Blog Talk
1: Radio Yo, this is your boy G-Ski Rocks And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision But I want you to think about
2: Welcome to True Life Fridays Radio, I am your host, Letitia Wong, and it is, my goodness, it's June already, and I want to welcome my co-hosts, Thomas and Melissa to the air. How are you doing, you guys, today?
3: Hey, Letitia, glad to be on. I'm I'm broadcasting on location out in a wild blue yonder.
0: Well, I hope the weather is
3: good, the
2: skies are blue. And that what? Wild Blue Yonder means a good thing.
3: It's a cast, yeah. but it's still good. So.
2: Good to be here with you guys again.
3: Amen. Melissa! Yep. Yeah. I'm here. I miss my Melissa and Devin and little Eliana with our deep dish dimples. Anyway. <laughs> she's a
2: mess. <laughs>
3: oh, that just means she's a toddler. That's all.
2: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are so glad, I am so glad, that um, we get another chance to talk about the issues of the day from a pro-life perspective. I want to tell our audience that um, we have a special guest coming up, and I will be talking about her today um, a little bit more in in the coming moments to come. Uh, We'll be talking about major headlines that are happening um, all around us. And perspective that you need to know. And Thomas, would you do us the honors of starting our show off, please?
3: Absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we're thankful once again for an opportunity to host another broadcast of True Life Friday's radio. And on True Radio Presents, Lord God, we're thankful thankful for our guest today and that your divine protection has been surrounding her, Lord God. Father, I thank you. For Melissa and Letitia, the brains behind this show, the ones this show go, Lord God. Thank you for the wisdom and the vision that you've given them for this network. Lord, we just ask that you bless our guests, bless the commentary today, and just help us to keep our eyes and our focus on you. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And we thank you for forgiveness of our sins lord amen
4: amen
2: all right, well, we have some interesting developments for now uh for since since two thousand nine people have been talking about Obamacare and how predictable it would be predictable, looking at other systems in the country in in the world. I'm sorry, in the world, actually, yes, in the country we had Romney Care that preceded uh Obamacare, and how things never really worked out the way they were promised, not as advertised uh so today, I ran across this article that was actually published back um at the end of May, so a couple of a few days ago last week, and it talks about um how Obamacare costs. Have already risen are expected to rise even more for people, and I'm not surprised. And nobody who's talked about Obamacare and the negatives of Obamacare are surprised. But you know that doesn't keep a lot of people in the country from that that were in the dark and are still are in the dark will receive the biggest sticker shock of their lives as they. Uh, keep rolling out changes to Obamacare Policy changes uh, And and overhead changes That are just going to blow people away So um, what we're talking about comes from the Hill And it says five years Now we are five years after the passage of Obamacare Or how I like to call it The Unaffordable Lack of Care And Patient Victimization Act There is one expense that is still causing sticker shock Across the healthcare healthcare industry And that is overhead costs Mind you Overhead costs Are only parts Of the problem That Obamacare is facing And that people are facing But That's a discussion that we're going to have Later on The administrative costs for healthcare plans Are expected to explode By more than a quarter of a trillion dollars Over the next Decade according to a new study Published by the health affairs blog The $270 Billion That's billion with a B In new costs for both Private insurance companies and Government programs will be Over and above what would have been Expected had the law Not been enacted One of the authors David Himmelstein wrote Wednesday And that's Last week Those costs will be particularly high this year when overhead is expected to make up 45% of all federal spending related to the Affordable Care Act. Let me back that up. 45% of all federal spending related to the Affordable Care Act. Or let me translate that for you again. The Unaffordable Health Care Act. By 20. T22, that ratio will decrease to about 20% of federal spending related to the law Maybe The study is based on data from both the government's national health expenditure project- projections And the Congressional Budget Office Both authors are members of physicians for a national health program Which advocates for a single payer system this number, twenty two point five percent of all new spending, is going into overhead. It is shocking even to me, to be honest. It's almost one out of every four dollars is just going to bureaucracy, the study's author other author, Steffi Wood woolhander wool, wool handler, excuse me, said Wednesday. She said private insurers have been expanding their administrative Overhead, despite some regulations From the Obama administration to control those costs Such as the medical loss ratio Which requires a certain amount Of premium dollars to be spent Directly on health care She argues that a better approach Would be a type of Medicare for all systems Single payer The extra administrative costs amount to the equivalent of $1,375 Per newly insured person Per year, the authors write About two-thirds of the new overhead costs are the result of rising enrollment in private plans, which the authors say carries high costs for administration and, ooh, profits. The rest is the result of expanded government programs, such as Medicaid. Mm. It also includes the cost of running Obamacare exchanges at both the federal and state levels. The federal exchange, as well as the 13 state-run exchanges, have all been boosted by grant money. Those those wait those those funds will run out by 2016. Hmm. The exchange will then need to rely on fees to plan premiums. <laughs> fees to plan premiums. One more time. Fees to plan premiums. So anybody who came selling the idea that Obamacare was going to be more affordable for anybody uh, was either ignorant or lying. Mm -hmm. And the data shows that they're not ignorant, so they must be lying. And I've always said, I've long said, that Obamacare has been a, a, a bill of goods sold to the American public Um, Not necessarily we were buying, but we were sold in a federal system that we actually weren't in control of and aren't in control of. And we're being made to think that it's a great thing, but the numbers don't lie. Even these two two people, these two doctors that want a single-payer system, let me let me make sure everybody understands. The comments that, that were being made here in this article are comments from people who favor, two doctors that favor a single-payer system. They are even shocked how much health care costs have risen because of the overhead. Now, they go back, they backpedal and say, well, you know, you know, it's all overhead and it's all administrative costs and, you know, that's not really supposed to be how it's, it is in Obamacare. I'm sorry. That's the reality of things. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with um, education. How come the more subsidies a public institution receives, the more in debt and the more people it employs? That's just how things happen. The more money there is to play with, the more people find a reason to spend it. Mm-hmm. And it usually, usually goes into administrative costs. It usually goes into hiring people to shuffle paper from point A to point B. It usually goes into... Uh, studies and um, hiring consultants just to just for really if I want maybe so bold to be a conservative and say to, to evaluate people's motives that's all this money is being spent on so I can't blame private insurers for taking advantage of of uh, of the way the law is being written and ignoring a certain mandate, saying that a certain ratio of spend expenditure has to be spent on health care um, mm-hmm. to boost their administrative costs. Everybody in this economy is looking for a job. And if you can find a way to preserve a job by cost shifting it to a job that isn't really needed, I bet you there's a way for people to do that, huh? Hmm. So, what we have going on here is this bare naked reality that, that affordable health care is never going to be affordable. It was never more affordable than when it was more privatized. Government mm-hmm. getting into the business of health care is only and has only made it worse for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I know there's people going to be oh there's going to be there's more people insured than ever before there's how many ever more millions of people that are insured that they weren't then weren't sure before, well what good is insurance when your access is cut off? There's two ways to get health healthcare, um, mm-hmm. one is that you pay it for it yourself. Another way is you have insurance to pay it for you pay for it for you. Well if you're mandated to to have one avenue of that cut off, you can't expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, You can't complain when that one avenue becomes a virtual monopoly and costs rise. You shut off competition, you shut off people's incentive to keep costs low, and you drive up demand. I'm sorry, that's just math. (coughs)
0: So Mm -hmm.
2: surprise, surprise, no, I'm not surprised. Um, And for those of you who haven't learned the lesson yet, the single payer is probably the worst thing, any country can do to their health care system, uh let this be just another piece of evidence for you if Great Britain and Canada aren't enough for you mm-hmm. guys you gotta uh, got something to to comment about that.
3: <laughs> you know, Leticia, actually, I don't because, like you said earlier, we already knew what was going to happen with this law, so mm-hmm. basically. Um, I'm getting ready to step into this place. I'm gonna be online on mute though, cause I'm going okay. over here, but I can't talk. But just you know I'll be there, and hopefully I'll be done within, you know, before the show's over, and I can come in again. So I'm going to where I'm going. <coughs> so, all
4: I'll right, be Thomas.
3: on the- All right, ladies.
4: I'm Alrighty. Alright. Right, yeah. Alright. I mean, bet. I'm kind of. Yeah, I'm um, kind of the same with Thomas. We, you know, we discussed this um, for months leading up to the voting of this bill, and came to the same conclusion that this um, sort of thing was going to happen. Um, basically, trying to control the cost of health insurance, um, or what our government is trying to do by controlling the cost of insurance, has just shifted um, the burden, and mm-hmm. and it's the people in the end who were they were supposed to to be helping <laughs> that are now um hurting so it was kind of just it was the writing in the sand from the beginning um it, it just it, it doesn't things aren't that simple <laughs> right proclaim you know, so
2: right and and I, let me remind people where where this is going um this isn't just going to hit people in the wallet it's actually going to affect the kind of care people get in hospitals, in healthcare, mm-hmm. by your doctor. Um, this other story that I have is actually from two years ago, but, um, and it comes from the UK, from their national health system. And again, let's, let's, let's prophesy for a little bit, although it's not really prophesying when, prophesy when you can actually see the future coming at you. Um, and, Let me mention again the Liverpool Care Pathway that was part of the national health system in the U.K. Um, It's reported to have been phased out. However, they didn't need it to begin with in order to do what they're doing, which is doctors um, prescribing for for elderly patients to have food and water, water and medication withheld until they die. Basically starving patients to death. And calling mm. it medicine. So I have mm. a story. And I'll summarize this. Because um, it was an elderly woman. In England who went to the hospital. For a shoulder issue. And. the next For the next couple of days. She couldn't understand. Why they weren't giving her anything to eat. They weren't giving her anything to drink. And. Um, they weren't addressing her medical conditions and her family came to visit and they were being stonewalled as to why she wasn't being allowed to eat and drink anything. And they were being told that, well, your, your grandmother and your, your mother is dying. She's dying. And they talk okay. to her and she's like, she's not dying. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She's not dying. She doesn't want to die. She's not sick with anything to death. They ask for specifics. Like, what is she dying from? If she's dying and they wouldn't tell her, the only thing that they would tell her is that she is old.
0: Okay. Coming. No. This condition. No. Okay.
2: And when they, when they they fought this, they went to court and they fought for their grandmother. Uh, to be re-administered food and water, and finally, when she was, she got better. Oh my gosh!
4: <laughs>
2: Amazing, uh-huh. the miracle of food and water. And um do for you? I know, I know, and so, I, I mean, this really betrays a huge sense of where healthcare eventually goes. When things become unsustainable Let me hone in on that word for everybody The the ding word, especially in the Obama administration Has been everything has to be sustainable Sustainable healthcare, sustainable environmental practices Sustainable this, sustainable that Fundamentally, the Unaffordable Lack of Care and Patient Victimization Act Created a healthcare system that is unsustainable It is unsustainable in the u k it has been unsustainable in Canada, which is why people are fleeing to the United States to get health care. They have been for many years now, mm-hmm. and so obamacare itself the the way the health care changes have have been structured are unsustainable in the long term, and the way you try to remedy that is to have fewer people on it. Mhm, How do you get fewer people? Any way you can, if it means older patients, elderly men and women have to be put on the highway to heaven, so to speak, quickly, which is what the health uh, what the Liverpool care pathway was is nicknamed uh, as a road to death um, th- that's how they're going to do it. Fewer people requiring medication, food, and water means more for the rest of us. And in a health uh-huh. system that lacks funds is bloated in overhead and takes up one sixth of the u k s economy uh I think you know this just doesn't make any any logical sense, and it never was meant to. Lots of um premature and good intentions that were not well thought out turns into a system that is deadly for people that people just uh, the doctors and hospitals just don't care to keep around. Mm-hmm. Don't laugh. Don't think that's not going to be you one day because it is. There's no loyalty that doctors have to preserving your life if they feel like you aren't worth their time.
0: Mhm.
4: That okay. that's um, the bulk of it. Um yeah, when you force yeah, when you it's inter- when you force healthy people into insurance plans, they're going to use it. <laughs> um they're paying for it. And so um it just creates this, uh, just this very unbalanced system, where you know these people who really need the, the help are not going to get it. So, um, exactly. It's, you know, oh, oh. Kind of uh, who it's it's who whoever's prioritized in that in that system. And so, um, there's like you said, there's no loyalty uh, to those who are not seen as um, beneficial to the system
0: who so are right.
4: sucking more resources than they're getting out, per se. Or you're not clever
2: enough to game it for your own benefit. I mean, not regarding the lady that, that aspired to be a model and a, a TV star who was able to get the National Health System to play, pay for her breast implants because uh, she claimed some kind of disorder of having two small breasts, you know, and she needed okay, she well. needed doctor's help to get bigger breasts. And so she was able to do that. Wow. Meanwhile, cancer patients can't get the medicine they need to stay alive. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It just needs to be scratched. (laughs) I don't don't see how, I don't see how you can reform it or amend it in a way that, that works. And that, like you said, it's sustainable. So I am, I just say scratch it. And, um, I don't understand the rush anyway. Um, to do this in the first place. Um, and, oh, uh, oh, it has nothing work to work do with healthcare. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors involved, but I, I definitely think that there, it just needs to be scratched and, and there needs to be an actual real solution that some, that's, that's sustainable and that really actually oh, works and is just not, you know, just ideological in someone's head, so...
2: Absolutely, now let's let's kind of change gears onto something other that we talk about And you know, okay, I know Everybody's tuning in Everybody wants to know if we're going to address The 800, per, 800 pound trans gorilla in the room And yes, but we're not going to address that gorilla
0: <laughs> Not today
2: <laughs> I have a clip from MSNBC um, today Based on what's been happening in the news Which who will not be nameless uh, talking about interesting development In the way we use language Or what some people are trying to push I'm going to play this and let you decide You know, on the other side What to think about this Because um let me me preface this by saying This almost made it as our stupidest thing ever Segment today And it was harder to find something much stupider than this But I aim to please So congratulations folks You get this and the stupidest thing ever
4: so a lot of the younger feminists, for example, at the abortion funds no longer want to use the word um, woman in relation to abortion because it excludes trans men. And right, because, of...
0: because, uh, because uh, uh, when we're talking about uh, reproductive, the, the physical attributes that allow one to re, uh, give birth, right, that is part of the category that is sex, right? That's a physical category. That's not gender.
4: Right, so there's been this kind of move to, to remove the word woman from a lot of language around um, abortion and abortion funds. And there's a lot of second wave feminists and not only second wave feminists who say, you know, if you kind of take if you take women out of this um, and you kind of take an understanding of patriarchy out of this, what I don't necessarily think you have to do. But I think, yeah, there's still a lot of sort of conceptual um, murk to to clear away. But among younger people that I've talked to, it, it it almost seems amazing to them that anybody would question the need to have gender gender neutral language. Well-
2: um. Okay So she starts off talking Saying um, abortion advocates From the uh, abortion fund National abortion fund uh, Want to stop using the word Woman or women Because It discriminates It excludes Against transgender w- w- Women Men Women well, man? Who
3: no. knows? Yeah, I don't know. Run that by I me. I just you
2: know. run that by me to get it. <laughs> and, and, oh, Chris Hayes just comes through beautifully. Oh, because, yes, that makes so much sense. Yes.
0: <laughs> <I just>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> okay, so let me get this straight. Abortion, which People have said for for decades now is not a you know men don't have a a say in this abortion issue because it's a woman's issue it's a women's issue this is a women's rights issue this is a hands off my ovaries that type you know keep your rosaries off my ovaries blah 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 and uh, okay so suddenly with this injection of well what about what about blah, 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 blah. And suddenly, they're so quick to abandon the youth woman, so it's not a women's issue anymore and and suddenly people without uteruses can talk about it
4: and yeah people that's without interesting.
2: uteruses can suddenly can, can suddenly join in,
4: <laughs> yeah, because that was the whole that was that's a huge part of their of their ammo so to speak is you know if you're not a woman you don't have a uterus and you don't have anything to say about this issue just be quiet and go sit in a corner and let us women um talk about this issue or debate this issue but you have no say so and so now the lines are so blurred who can you know who can talk about it or who can talk about it or who it, it just comes to show that this is more than it's, it's a human rights issue and so um they actually have proven um, or they uh, kind of cut the uh, the foundation from their whole argument.
2: Exactly. I. I. It's so to me, this is so backtracking, so much backtracking, so much muddled mm-hmm. talk. Oh, it's a let's take some murk out of this issue. You know what? I thought this was crystal clear for all of the pro-abortion uh, abortion advocates. It is crystal clear. It has been since 1973. So clear. That this is a women's issue, this is a liberation issue, this is a women's rights issue. This is this is how to, how women are going to be equal to men. But now mm-hmm. we have the situation where we, men are claiming that they are not equal to anybody if they don't become women. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, as transgendered whatever, they want to claim some qu- kind of kinship. With women who have uteruses naturally, uh, uh-huh. you
0: know,
2: so w- so yes, yeah, so let me let me pound my fist in the air for yes, abortion for women who never had uteruses because they were born with testicles instead. Uh, sure.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs> does doesn't, doesn't quite work, does it?
2: No, I don't think so, but. Uh-huh. Let's uh, let's take a break. After the on the other side of our break, we're going to have our guest, Juna Myers. She comes to us from Choices for Life. She is a good friend of our show, True Life Fridays Radio, and she has an interesting um, story. I want to say interesting, but I want to say other things too. But we'll get into that about how sh- her sticking up on social media for an 11-year-old girl who was raped and then became pregnant because of the rape, and how Choices for Life is trying to um, advocate for this girl and care for her and give her um, a positive uh, life experience, healing, and um, getting to, getting the support she needs, how that has, her, her advocating for that, and Choices for Life advocating that has just brought out the the fangs and the claws, um in many people who have responded to her facebook page so we're going to get back and talk about that on the other side of the break and when when we get back so hang in there
1: everybody you're tuned to true life fridays with letitia wong and friends don't miss out today's great episode is brought to you in part by lifeboat coffee 10 percent of your purchase at lifeboatcoffee.com will go directly to support true life fridays Just remember to name True Life Fridays when you check out on the web. Hi, everybody. I'm John Lillis, founder and president of Lifeboat Coffee, America's pro-life coffee company. We support True Life Fridays, and we hope you will, too. True
0: Life Fridays. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
2: And we're back. This is Letitia Wong. You are listening to True Life Fridays Radio with my co-host, Thomas and Melissa And we were talking about, before the break, um, our guest coming up, Judah Myers from Choices for Life. Judah has a wonderful story. And really briefly, um, she is herself a child uh, conceived of rape when her mother was raped. And, you know, we we had a conversation long ago about where that took place. And I swear, it is not a mile from my house. And so, you know, I have a personal connection here where I feel like, you know, I I have this piece of history where this beautiful person, Judah Myers, came into the world. And thank God, by the grace of God, she is alive today advocating for women who have been abused, attacked and abused and raped and, and continue to suffer because we live in a culture that thinks that somehow if you have been raped, and you have a child conceived of that rape, that child is worth less than children that have been conceived in other ways, more more pleasant ways, less under less duress. And what kind of catapulted uh, me bringing her back on the show, particularly today, is what has happened in the last week and a half or so, uh, where Judah has been talking about this 11-year-old girl who was raped. And is receiving care in her pregnancy, and just the the like I said, the fangs and the claws came out from so many people saying, you know, the right thing to do for this poor girl is to get this girl an abortion. And I I just couldn't believe that not only were they just standing, oh, you know, the, I can understand where people think that's the right thing to do, but not only they were were they doing that, they were doing they were saying much more. Uh, hateful things. And with me today is Judah Myers from Choices for Life. She's here to tell us about that story and kind of what we can learn about uh, how to interact with people uh, at large, what you can expect, and, you know, just kind of lessons from what's happening in all this. So, Judah, welcome to True Life Fridays Radio. It is good to have you back on the air again with us.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm always excited to be on your show. You are just a fireball, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you (laughs) If I
2: can get that in writing uh, Absolutely
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem here is that I've been saying this forever In fact, the very reason that I founded Choices for Life Was because One, my mother had said That her mother wanted me dead That even family couldn't understand How a woman could actually love a rape conceived child the world has no clue and they don't want spoken all around the world and every time i've spoken i had two or three people four sometimes would come to me and say you know what i never was believed either so in 2011 i started uh choices for life to help restore their dignity to create a specific solution For these women who weren't believed, they needed support in so many ways. So one of our latest clients is an 11-year-old. First off, her mother was being a good Samaritan. She took in a 13-year-old. CPS did not disclose that he had been a rapist in three other states. This woman took him in with good faith. He had nowhere else to go. And he raped her 11-year-old, and she he would wait till she went to sleep to do this. And one day, she found him trying to rape her 8-year-old. And that's when it all came out that um, he had been raping the 11-year-old. And she was taken to the doctor, and they found out she was 20 weeks pregnant. They're a pro-life Christian family that never imagined abortion. So her choice was she wants her baby, and that's where the whole thing came about because on May 26th, I posted, our 11-year-old is in labor right now. She is 35 weeks and doing fantastic, busting every myth out there. She is strong and holding on to her faith in the Lord. It garnered 136,384 people that it's reached. We have gotten almost 500 nasty shares and over 8,300 horrible comments such as, you deserve to be raped and killed. And another person actually um, said that if they ever saw me, they would have to go to jail for attempted murder. How about that for choice? Oh, boy.
2: Well, so, okay, go ahead. No, keep going. I want you to finish this.
4: (laughs) I really want you to finish this. Well, the the irony of all of this is the one person that started it, obviously I haven't read all 8,300, but I've gone through a lot of them, and they're all pretty nasty. But this Mm -hmm. one person, a transgender person named Sean Roberts, actually is the one who said, if ever they see me. So they posted that on their wall on Facebook, and a high school teacher, an English teacher, chimes in with, hey, they don't live very far from us. She's up in McKinney, Texas. We can be down there in no time. We can form a posse, and we can open up a can of WTF on her. That was from a... Teacher who is at a school who quote doesn't tolerate bullying. Oh I yeah, the, yeah. I called the 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 school McKinney High School in Texas. Called the principal, and that principal Mr. Vanden Boom actually said he take care of it. He sounded very sympathetic, and I emailed him screenshots. I emailed him everything. I didn't hear anything back. I called him on Tuesday, and. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So hmm, um, I I emailed him, still didn't get anything. Well, he called me on Wednesday the last, I'm sorry, was it yesterday? The last day of school. And so he said, oh, I turned it over to HR, so I don't even have anything to do with it anymore. And I said, um, he said, and really, we can't do anything because today's the last day of school. It's graduation, and I said, "Well, at least maybe next year she won't be back." And he said, "No, she won't. She she retired." So he deliberately didn't do anything till the school's finished. She's retired. She's off in La La Land, and there's nothing that can be done to her. And the transgender person just goes off again in La La Land, and not not anybody wants to pick up the story. I called Fox News in the Dallas area, and mm-hmm. I, he said, yeah, one guy said, sure, send it to me, an email. I sent it to him. No big deal, and, you know, they didn't even call me back for an interview. I guarantee you, if a Christian pro-life person were to threaten a transgender person this would be on CNN, this would be on every network and my life would be over. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So where is the choice? Where is the hypocrisy? Where's the equal rights? Where is the non-bullying, all this other stuff that is granted to transgender and anybody else? Why is that not given to me and to this 11-year-old?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good it's it's,
2: question. A, it's a sad, you know, it's a sad commentary on I think where people are at. I think a lot, you know, from what I I looked at that Facebook page and then the screenshots and then I actually chimed in with a comment or two, um, <clears throat> only to have you know the same snarky remarks sent in my direction. Surprise, surprise. But what the the sum total of what I got from how people are reacting is that they thought. That because of this girl's age, being 11 years old, somehow makes her in a, in a special category where where abortion is, for in their minds, a better option than having gone through, going through, you know, now that she's 35 weeks pregnant. I mean, they're still screaming for abortion. Let yes. me go back a few weeks. Hello, audience. Let me go back a few o- weeks. And talk about how Rand Paul challenged Debbie Wasserman Schultz to say if she would be she would be okay with aborting a seven pound baby, and she refused to answer. No. This is where we That's are. That's because at. she would do it. Yes. And so here we have a people, a bunch of people, with the mindset that no age is there is no limit to the age for for a baby to be aborted. If the circumstances, somehow the magic number of 11, uh, warrants it in their minds. Now, I have let me, let me tell you, I am a mother of a girl that used to be 11. She's smaller than the rest of her classmates because we are smaller people. But that was fifth grade. And I would be at the school every day to pick up my daughter in fifth grade. And there are fifth graders. I'm five foot, five feet tall, and X number of pounds. And there are fifth graders who are bigger, more developed, and weigh a ton more than I do. So the bulk of what people were saying was, she's too young, she's not developed enough, she's too small, she can't handle it, blah, blah, blah. They're imagining an 11-year-old, you know, maybe from a malnourished home. I don't think that they understand from from a wide perspective that many 11-year-olds... Or as tall as adults.
4: Or as big as adults. She's adult, as developed. Oh my goodness. Yes. This little girl is five six. She is very skinny. You know, she's a she's a an eleven year old, but she's mm-hmm. five six and she is healthy. She played basketball and nobody wants to believe this. She played basketball until thirty one weeks pregnant. She is in the best health. She's she's healthier than most of us. Amazing. And let's mm. talk about But they keep the telling me I'm a liar because it couldn't be possible. Well, see, the problem is is I can't identify her because I'm going to protect her. If they're going to kill me, I guarantee you they won't to try and kill the mother of this 11-year-old. Mm. Of course. They've got to direct their
2: their outrage somewhere. And, you know, you are the most likely victim. Because they don't want Why to be not caught making death threats against an 11-year-old.
4: Why not go after rapists? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, yes. I put up another poster on here. Um, uh, it's a, a little girl was conceived in rape. Her name is Esther, and um, it says "Hands up, don't abort the rape conceived." She has her little hands up. She's precious. She was. Um, she was born to a, I think she said 16. She was 16. Yeah, I made a mistake in here. But it was she was 16 years old when she gave birth. Do you know that people are saying it's despicable that she was born? I mean, the child mm. is alive and healthy and beautiful and they're still posting hate stuff that I have to ban people. What is wrong with yeah. people? Well, part Not thing- only are they hating the unborn, but chances that a rape-conceived person gets born and survives all this, society is still screaming that we are the pit of the gene pool and we're going to turn out to be rapists and all these other things. But I remind people we can go all the way back to Cain and Abel, and that's murderous genes. You can't go back further. And is murder worse than rape? I think so. So we don't have pure blood anymore.
2: No, no. And anybody, I mean, the, the, what got me to that, uh, I mean, it wasn't that I was so floored with what they were saying. It was for me that they had the nerve. Um, this this 8,000 people had a ner- the nerve to say that they had the best interest, the better interest of the 11-year-old in mind when they were saying that she ought to be to, to have an abortion I'm sorry There's room for disagreement there and, and not only that There's room to show That that position is flat out wrong First of all Are you for choice or aren't you for choice The 11 year old and her family has Have decided to keep the baby Anybody
4: for choice yes. here Anybody for yes, choice Yes they're going to keep the baby Wait. They're ra- The mother is going to raise the baby She said that her daughter will not have to have any responsibility as a parent whatsoever. She's going to raise her granddaughter right alongside of her daughter, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a great situation because this mother is perfectly capable of raising the two of them. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Mhm.
4: Absolutely. Here's
2: here's what I'm asking anybody here for choice. All these people who saying I'm for choice. Where is the choice when they're breathing yeah. down this situation that demanding that the right thing to do is abortion? Sorry, they have chosen. Why can't you say I support that choice if you're for choice <laughs> suddenly all all this talk about I'm for choice I'm you know the choice of the women to decide suddenly it's 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 their business to tell people what to do when if people decide not to have an abortion, it's uh, or decide to have an abortion, it's suddenly no one's business to talk about. But suddenly, it's everybody's business to talk if you don't choose to have an abortion. The hypocrisy and, they, and
4: the contradiction
2: cannot be more stark.
4: They are saying that she's not old enough to choose to give life, but had she can't make any decision on her own, that was some of the the rhetoric going on there. But had she chosen abortion, suddenly she's smart enough to choose the wise thing. Exactly. You know, so it is completely exactly. opposite.
2: Exactly. Yes, and that's the point that that I just kind of want people to understand here: that an 11 year old is old enough, supposedly old enough, to go to. School and tell a school nurse that she needs an abortion, and not have doesn't need to tell the parents without parental notification. Get an abortion. You know, been there, done that, gone through the whole thing, and go back to school. And everybody's like, yes, yes, yes. And then, but when you turn around and say this, an eleven-year-old wants to keep the child, and have the child, suddenly. She's not old enough to make that decision. She's incapable of making that decision. And I would we, like to and say And the pro-abortion
4: that, community needs to make that decision for her. <laughs> right. And you know what? I would like to say on all of the posts as well, they're saying that it's going to ruin her life. She'll never have a life, all this other stuff. Okay, so for starters, her innocence has been stolen from her. An abortion will never unrape her. It will never do anything. But a baby, as I've been told by hundreds of mothers, gives the child, gives the person, the mother, a whole new outlook. One person, Anna Ritchie, who's on our board, said that that child, when she gave birth at 13, that child gave her a reason to continue living because after rape that young, they weren't thinking they wanted to live. Second Mm. off, every teenager that I have worked with has been, one, a straight-A student. They have not skipped a beat. They have had support from family and from Choices for Life. They have continued with their education. And one of our, um, I call her my poster girl because she's amazing, and that's Callie. Callie has uh, graduated early and is going to go to college to become a veterinarian. How has that baby ruined her life? It has not changed anything except now she has a life to live for. And her family loves this baby. And even when they posted pictures of their babies, you know, moms had come on the site and posted pictures, you know, I love my child, affirming the fact that mothers love their rape-conceived children. They hate rape, but they're smart enough to know the difference between a rapist and a baby. And that Mm -hmm. baby belongs to her. But the pro-choice people want to give that baby to the rapist every single time. Oh, you're going to be an incubator for the rapist? No, why would you say that to a woman? You don't walk up to a woman who's obviously pregnant and say... Tell me about the daddy, and then I'll tell you what you should do with the baby. Exactly. No, we always say, oh, when are you due? It's always about the mother, right? Mm-hmm. Except in the case right. of rape. Right, and, right. And just
2: think about how politically correct we are today, where where somebody wouldn't say that, e- even in a case where, you know, a mother who is pregnant, who is not pregnant from rape we live in a culture where women are having are having children without the benefit of being married to the man who is the father of their children um all the time so we have women who are having multiple children with multiple fathers it is a politically incorrect thing to quiz
4: her about her fathers her her baby daddies yes it is except Yet in somehow. cases of rape and then they yes. will spray tape like, um, Callie, her, her house is spray painted with all kinds of vulgarities. I mean, if they called her a whore and a liar, well, let's back up. If a whore did give birth to a child, everybody would cheer, as we should. You know, she chose life. But if you are a rape-conceived child, that mother is going to be ridiculed and attacked. Nobody could love that baby why is the mother and the child being treated worse than criminals while the rapist walks around doing whatever he wants? Right.
2: What's wrong the same with
4: this Well, at the same time, these people claim
2: to be so concerned with right. with these pregnant mothers' welfare. You know, you cannot, on the one hand, say that you want what's best for them and, on the other, call them names, derogatory names, Sexist names, and then call That's their true. babies terrible sexist names. I mean, just you name. You, I mean, I'm not going to say them here right now, <laughs> but you've heard them. We've all heard them. You can you can think of what happens to these. And I just don't see. I see the utter hypocrisy and the hatefulness of of what this is. The compassion isn't compassion from those who advocate for abortion. It isn't compassion. We can see it front and center here. Your example here that brought you onto the show is a clear example of how compassion is not what it's claimed to be. It's another one of those things I say is not as advertised. The Compassion of the left is not compassion at all. It is pure hate. If you don't follow the narrative they think life should follow for them, you are instantly labeled the worst of things on earth you're called and deserving of in. death
4: don't forget that they want you death. dead that's right
2: where was where is suddenly where is their advocacy for women you know whoa women 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 where is that women and girls you know we're four rape victims we want to help rape victims do you do you really that's what I want now, to everybody to understand, that what's being said on behalf of 11-year-olds who have been
4: raped is really a lie.
0: Exactly.
4: How about the pregnant 14-year-old in Dallas whose family knew who raped her, and then um, they proceed to beat her to cause her to have an abortion? Did you read about that That's one? That's right. Yes. Uh, I posted okay. that so information I up. You. Yes. Yeah, so I posted that one, you know, where they beat the girl. They they gave her all this um, plan B, everything to make her abort. She didn't abort, so they held her down, and they jumped on her belly and actually um, made her deliver penalty. that baby, mm-hmm. stillborn. And then they put it on a barbecue pit to try to get rid of the evidence. So I posted that, and I said, um, abuse is so epidemic to those who have been raped and pregnant. This is exactly what I've been saying happens, but most of the time, these women are too afraid to say anything. They just endure the pain. I'm working with a woman right now. She's in exactly. her 30s. When she was 15 years old, the the students at the school that she went to beat her so badly that she lost her baby. She didn't tell anybody. She's never told anybody. And she's in her 30s, and she told me because um, at a place that I spoke, I said, people need to believe these girls or women when they say they've been raped, believe them. And that's what opened her up to me because she said nobody has ever believed her. And I don't know what it is, but even families will attack the, the girl. Mothers will attack the girl. I'm so um, so happy to say that the the girls that I have worked with the mothers have been right there for their for their teens. Yes. Some of the others I've worked with like I had one one mom, she was um in her thirties and she said that her mother actually accused her of trying to steal her husband when she was seven. What is wrong oh, with good people? Good Lord. Oh gosh. So on this post that I did, I I posted about the pregnant um the 14-year-old in Dallas that was beat up. Mm-hmm. People are actually coming on here and supporting abortion in cases of rape. On on this thing, telling mm-hmm. telling me the reason why um this girl did not speak out is because of hate groups like Choices for Life. How does a person get so blind? and twisted to come up with that. Well, we can walk that road and
2: speculate in many ways. Um, And and partly I think it has to do with, um, it is a blindness. It is a blindness. It is the kind of blindness that C.S. Lewis had said, you know, that when when man becomes, he shuts his eyes and he clenches his fists so tight. And over time, you know, it, you find that you can't open your eyes anymore. You're blinded permanently, and it's an act of choice um, to, to not see the truth. And how this makes any sense is beyond me, because we all can see that you know it wasn't choices for life. It isn't pro life advocates. It is any isn't anybody else but her own family that beat her and caused her to lose the baby you know they loved her so much that they they beat her until the baby died and then put the baby uh on a fire is that out of love no actually that that article that you had posted that i had posted had said specifically they were afraid that the 14 year old because she had been raped and pregnant would cause the, them to lose their other children in the house that cps would come and take away their children and because of that they killed her baby. And, you know, I'm not going to go into all the situation, all the details of how that ever makes sense to anybody, but it did to them at the time. It did so much that it caused them to attack her. And this is, I think this is a sickness of the mind. It is a sickness of logic. It is fundamentally uh, a, a product of a... Of a culture that says, "Hey, abortion is okay in certain circumstances, and when we start and, you know opening even that the door... clergy
4: is saying that, Billy Graham mm. has said it. there was another um oh gosh, uh, what's his name? Bishop Paul Morton, I think his name was called us seeds, and God didn't have anything oh, to do with yes. that
2: I, we talked about I him. can tell
4: you nobody makes life, except God. Satan doesn't have any creative abilities. And I ask people, will you deny God my praise? Most of my peers who are conceived in rape love the Lord. Firefighters, um, military, saving lives. You know, people listening right now, somebody conceived in rape could have saved your life, and you'll never know it because most of us are silent because of the abuse that we have gotten. We're walking around. You have seen us. There are thousands of us. But nobody wants to talk about it for fear that right. they will get treated like that 14 year old.
2: Oh, yes.
4: But and now, here's something... here's something exciting. Okay. Um, this is so exciting to me. Blew me away. A pastor sent um, a verse to me and said, I didn't know if you knew this or not. Now, backtrack a little bit, and you know that. Um, Monica Kelsey and some of the other people have been literally saying, shame on you to the lawmakers who are putting in rape exceptions, who mm-hmm. are making laws that say, and then you can kill the baby. So we have been saying literally those words, shame on you. All right. So this pastor wrote an email to me, and he said, um, in 1 Corinthians 127, and depending on which, which um, translation you have, it'll say, Um, God chose the foolish things or the base things or the lowly things of the world to shame the wise. Okay, so he said the word that's base or lowly foolish in Greek Mm -hmm. means, quote, of no kin or illegitimate birth. Mm. That just floored me because here God is raising up the rape conceived and our mothers for the first time ever on the Planet, ever because there has never been one society not one culture that has embraced the rape conceived every single culture has tried to kill us every mm-hmm. one of them and sometimes they kill our mothers
0: mm-hmm. but
4: here's a verse in scripture and we're rising up now and saying enough is enough for the first time ever on the planet? Really? Boy, that just gave me goosebumps. And then um, I am putting together, it's called Freedom March, Breaking the Curse because what most people don't know is that in 1966 May 8th is when abortion became legal for the very first time on American soil and it was only to kill the rape conceived and there was an extra little twist um, to the the background of this because a lot of race problems during that time and if a white girl decided to have sex with a black boy and she got pregnant and the white family didn't want that child she could scream rape and they would Mm -hmm. take her down and have that baby killed Mm -hmm. so this is a double whammy this is a double whammy for the rape conceived and also for 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 a race that was trying or they were trying to eliminate. So on May sixth let me back up, May eighth of two thousand sixteen will mark fifty years anniversary. And we know fifty years means a Jubilee, means freedom in God's God's world. Right and so right. here we have fifty years in two thousand sixteen. Do you know what May eighth is in two thousand sixteen?
0: It's Mother's Day. I think Day. you're gonna tell us. Oh, it is. Mother's awesome. Day. How
4: ironic that the the very anniversary that depicts freedom freedom from abortion is going to be on Mother's Day. Woo! Amen. And he's going to use rape conceived to break this curse.
2: Amen. So we are going to perform
4: um we're going to have a rally in Jackson, Mississippi, where this thing started. And we are asking everyone to prayerfully consider joining us because this is a matter of life and death, that we end abortion in this country and we start with the root. Instead of using this rape conception thing as a foundation for all the laws we're making, you know, the negotiating tool, we are calling people to stand together and end this curse. We're going to march once around the Capitol, and we are going to honor mothers who have conceived in rape and chosen life, and we're going to honor them as heroes. Amen. And that's going to be May 6th of 2016, and if... um. If people want to know more information, you can always go to choices4life.org Number four, life.org to keep tabs of it, and I'll have more details as we get closer. But um, I, it just blew me away to, to know all of this, and I just found this out all in the past two weeks. It's <laughs> just blowing me away.
2: Cool. Very awesome. I am looking forward to that and learning more about that and having a chance to talk about more of that more here on True Life Friday's radio. And just a, just a tremendous story that it is. And, you know, I, you know that I would not let this story go, even if the rest of the media in the world turns you down. This is, <laughs> Thank just, you. it just hits at the very core of where, this is where the conflict lies. This is where the hypocrisy is uncovered. And this is where people need to wrestle with the moral decision here. Do we allow children who have been conceived in under circumstances that are completely under not under their control, their mothers near to them to their lives to be determined by other voices? You know where is our idea of choice? It's not there when it's not convenient. For those who normally would talk about choice and and we need to expose that, we need to talk about the inconsistency, and we need to talk about the hypocrisy, and we need to expose the double standard the actual the actual hate for children that are rape conceived because everything that they stand for um, challenges. Our understanding of of morality and public discourse, you know these exceptions that we talk about um they're they're justified and rationalized, and nobody will and they're justified and they're rationalized without a thought it's It is of course we should have exceptions for for children that are conceived and raped, of course we should you know we we need to have laws that protect the unborn but accept those. I'm not for exceptions. I don't think True Life Fridays Radio, none of our hosts, have ever been for exceptions. Now, how that works out in our country, we may have differences of opinion of how that's going to come out in our in our laws or not come out in our laws and how to fight that, but all of us, and I think I speak for all of us, have never been for exceptions. We will never be for exceptions. And you know one of the things that we try very hard to talk about it, are those that this is a small minority but it is a very important thing to talk about it because we don't want to leave anybody out There's we're not nobody a small minority
4: no. <laughs> let me just well, let me switch that oh it's not yeah, a small minority me. because there are so many that nobody even knows about you know people are just hiding the fact yeah. that they had a rape conceived baby, but let's just say all the the one percent that were aborted, if you take fifty five million that's a conservative number, five
3: hundred
4: and fifty thousand people died, so that's um like Tucson or Albuquerque or yeah. Las Vegas or Baton Rouge or you know and,
2: and and thank you for reminding me about a point that, about something I wanted to ask you about how many of your of the people associated with, the women associated with choices for life that you know of didn't find out they were um, children conceived in rape until later in life.
4: Huh. How about me? There's a few yep. of us. Um, I was 48 and it was devastating because I felt like, um, you know, I felt like the entire world's disdain and horror were on top of me until I realized, you know, somebody said, "Who were you yesterday before you knew?" Uh oh, yeah. This is a this is all in our head, because mm-hmm. the day before I found out, I was a successful business owner. I had a husband who loved me. I had children. I have a life. I have friends, parents who loved me. I had all that that everybody else has. But the minute I learned I was rape conceived, suddenly. I was about to commit suicide. So mm-hmm. the people who are um, putting this uh, stigma on the rape conceived and our mothers, you're actually promoting suicide. Because mm. had I lived in an environment, you know, our country, who are any any culture that does not believe that a rape conceived child is worthless. I wouldn't have thought of suicide. I was a Christian, and had I not Mm -hmm. been a Christian, I would have committed suicide without telling anybody. The force was so devastating. I've never felt anything so fierce in all my life. Mm. And the stigma Mm -hmm. does does push people. Um, And the ones who are pushed to abort their babies are more likely to try and commit suicide than if they just, you know, oops, I found myself pregnant because um, I know of uh, 12 people personally who aborted rape-conceived babies.
0: Mm. Out of the
4: 12, 11 were suicidal. Out of the 11, three attempted and failed. One, one woman told me, she said, what I did to my baby doesn't, you know, I can't even compare to what um, what those men did to me was nothing. But
3: mm-hmm. what I did
4: to my baby is unconscionable, and I'm a murderer. They're rapists, and murderers are worse. She was a police officer,
0: and she listened to the
4: lies of her peers. She quit the force, and, you know, she just doesn't want to have anything to do with anybody anymore. And, you know, what do you tell those people? Where are all her friends that said, oh, abortion's going to make you feel better, you won't ever think about this again? And 10 years later, she's in a bed withering away. Where are all her friends, those compassionate people, you know, Leticia, that you were talking about? they are mm-hmm. nowhere to be found. All of these women are mourning their babies because they said, we were allowed to live when we were attacked. Why would we turn around and kill our only baby? One lady, mm-hmm. her name is Nona. She lives in the Houston area, and she's very outspoken. When she was 15, mm-hmm. she was taken to an abortion clinic to have an abortion after rape and she said she remembers a nurse saying you know this may be the only child you will ever have and it was like a shock to her but they went ahead and they had an abortion and sure enough because of the abortion she was damaged she had five miscarriages and was never able to carry a child to turn what where's all those compassionate people right oh you did the right thing huh how do you take that away
2: it is so sad to know that that the the long term consequences are, are are just they're out they're they're there and people will actively steer women away from from thinking about those things you know there, there there's a life that is lived i mean that's just the first the beginning of things and then there's the the um, aftermath are is the abortion going to harm you and then the long term effects how is it psychologically going to harm you and then as you reflect on the future you know what if you it, what if what if that child was your only chance of having a child in this life it's really i, I don't understand why we discourage women so much from thinking about such a decision that is so life changing and i mean this goes for abortion in general and in this case you know bringing me back what you reminded me to ask you is when you when when did women find out they were rape conceived i would say you know from the examples that you have have given to me most w- people that have found out they were rape conceived didn't find out until they were a little older in life
4: yes
2: you know they yes. weren't children they weren't teenagers and 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 you're talking about the perception. Well, you know, that also changes the perception of people around them. And it's terrible. I mean, one minute they're your best friend, you know, they're ordinary, and suddenly you find out they're rape-conceived and the whole world's different about them. Like there, there's something wrong with them. But there isn't. The people that rape-conceived... Are, are if you hold and I love this this picture of the ultrasound of the two babies and one of them says you know one of them is rape conceived can <laughs> you tell which one is perfect? There is no reason why we should put a stigma on raped women or raped conceived children, but we do and it
4: has to stop. It really has to stop. Here's a good analogy. I love telling people this. Okay, imagine a man is married and he has a child. He decides to rape his sister-in-law, and she gets pregnant. So technically, the child that he has is the child of a rapist, right? The child that's living outside the womb, right? So Mm -hmm. why would the one inside the womb be targeted for death? Great when those question. two children were almost identical, because they're having almost the same bloodline, the whole thing, you know, the sisters and the same father of the baby, so one gets to live and one doesn't. One's identified as a rapist baby, and the other one isn't because he's alive, but he's still a rapist child. Right. Great
2: Do you see the question. Difference there? No, actually, people aren't no, thinking logically in all of this. <laughs> I don't. If there's the no logic in any of
4: this whatsoever. Exactly.
2: I, I, and like, and and going back to people who find out later in life they've been rape conceived. Um, it just, it just, to me, that means that means there are lots of people walking around of the world right now, who are <laughs> yes. rape-conceived and
4: don't know it. And I remember one woman saying she was pro-choice, or her name's Trevon. She was pro-choice mm. until, whoops, she looks in the mirror and there she is and she's the rape-conceived person. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think logic sometimes hits us in the face when we least expect it. You know, because you can't you can't be um pro choice and believe that you should die well there are some people sadly who believe it would have been okay if they would have died because they didn't know any better i that's kind of the, one of those stupid arguments i right, right. you know rebecca keesling her yes. story really just is up in the face of the choicers because her mother was raped by a serial rapist and she wanted an abortion. She was in Michigan. and uh, In Michigan, it was not legal to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And so her mother thought about going to a back alley abortion uh, clinic, but she chickened out. And she gave birth to Rebecca, placed her for adoption. Fast forward many, 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 many years. Rebecca meets her mother, and her mother re-adopts her and is so grateful that she did not abort her. Mm. What are you going to tell her when her mother is so grateful that, quote, she was forced to give birth to a racist baby? Mm hmm. See, we don't, it's, people want to play like they, they're God. They know what's going to happen. People don't know what's going to happen in five minutes, much less it's going to happen the duration of somebody's life. It's just exactly. arrogant. It's judgmental.
2: Let me put it right out there and tell people, it's judgmental. You know that word that we're not supposed to be? (laughs) It's judgmental. It's It's used to clobber Christians like us who are accused of being judgmental all the time. But that is the most judgmental thing you can do is to determine the worth of somebody before they're even born because of the way they were conceived. How much more judgmental can you be possibly be? You can't. Everything else is that just is a detailed. judgment,
4: and it's a judgment of death.
2: Yes, but how much? I mean, we're looking at somebody, and we can think of no positive reason for this person to exist. That is judgmentalism
4: of the highest order. It's like you were talking earlier about people not being given food and water and just left there to die. Mm-hmm. That's our society This is We have fed people the garbage Of survival of the fittest For so many years That's where we're going And people hated Hitler For his Aryan race But we're no better We're doing exactly the same thing Except we are using um, Just a slight differentiation Of the equation We are no better than Hitler Determining who will live and who will die Exactly And it's
2: it's it's based on preference Total preference Whoever happens to be in power Has the most power to determine who lives or dies Is the one that gets their desires met And it is sad because we live in an age Where people say oh I love this choice You know people have to have choice You know that choice has to conform With a certain ideology Before it's okay According to them there really is no freedom to have a dissenting point of view there really is no choice and you know i'm sad to say that that our country has allowed people with this kind of mindset to be in the p- places of power in our media in our um pl- our public offices in in the people who write our textbooks teach our children and even preach to us on sunday mornings You know, we allow them to have this place of power and to tell us these things, these lies, and then we sit at home and we don't challenge them. That is not acceptable. Not in a country where we are told in black and white uh, that this is our right. In this country, we have a right to dissent. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we dissent from this uh, point of view. We do. And we have a right to. And we should because people's lives are at stake. Um, So um, we're getting kind of late in the hour I want to thank Judah Um, You know, this is still an ongoing thing So please keep us updated As to how things develop Is there going to be any kind of legal action Taken against anybody?
4: We um, filed charges against somebody And the police basically um, Said that They were going to file it Under terrorist threat And didn't know how it's going to proceed. Okay. Oh, I don't know what wow. that means. Anything's <laughs> going to. You know, like I said, you know, if the tables were turned, um, yeah, there would be a, you know, a Oh, whole, yeah, a would war, of media. You know, it'd be another, you know, Duggar thing. You know, let's crucify the Christian. You know, just. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with it. how
2: this is playing out. But let us know how this turns out. We are going to keep um, keep everybody, our audience, updated about how this is turning out and what's happening here. I'm so glad you had time to spend with us today. Um and, oh, and thank do, you And so do much. come back.
4: I will. God bless you. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you so thank much you, for your Judah. time. Thank you, Judah. Oh, thank you,
2: bye. Judah. God bless you. bye Bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how... How we play here at True Life Fridays Radio, we give you the naked, bare-naked, bare knuckled truth about what's happening. People's lives are being threatened, people who have, for doing the right thing, for children, for multiple generations of children. You may disagree, but I want you to ask yourself, why? Why do you disagree with helping children? with feeding the elderly, with wanting people to have affordable, actually affordable health care and not have power being thrown up thrown at them to make somebody else's desires come true. The people that are really against rape and violence against women are people like Judah and myself and my co hosts and the pro life community who want to see Rape conceived children live because it's their life. Their lives, not yours, whether you have a uterus or not.
4: Right. And it is
2: their right. It is their right to have their life.
4: Exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't say much during the interview because I know Judah has always so much to share. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to hurry went, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a parent. <laughs> I, just want her to, I just want her to share because I know she always has so much um, good stuff to share. But, um, yeah, we have to really think about life and what it means and and if we can just snap it out because of um, arbitrary circumstances. And so we have to really evaluate and just think critically about this issue and for Christians to think to think biblically
2: about this issue, absolutely, and it just floored me i mean i i she asked people to 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 look at these Facebook comments that she's been receiving for talking about the eleven year old and and how great she's doing and i was I was mildly shocked, not because it wasn't shocking, but I come to expect you know a certain level of hate, and that's what it was. they hated what she was doing what she mm-hmm. is doing. And, mm-hmm. and for the life of me, honoring
0: yeah.
2: a family who wants to save a baby's life, nurturing their daughter, uh, helping her through a pregnancy is the most loving thing anybody can do. Get, yeah, giving well, that's her, yeah, giving yeah, that's, her that's over all, to yeah. an abortionist is allowing yeah. her to be violated a second time.
4: Period. Yeah, I I think, you know, with... Um, it just comes to show that this is um, more than just a, um, a, a, a issue of the mind, but that there's actually there's a whole spiritual component to it. Because if you just look at it objectively, um, that that just doesn't seem plausible to to hold that sort of contempt against a person for trying to help another human being yeah,
2: in a humane way. way.
4: And So it's not it, rational at all. It's and not. So well, it, and I think it's just, that's
2: why it's not rational, the reason it's not rational, is because the the reason behind wanting uh, approving of abortion is not rational.
4: No. Right. Yeah. At the core. Yeah. That's that's the issue. At the core. And and then what, but see once you can um once you can convince yourself to overcome those. Uh, logical um, errors <laughs> And defend your position And everything else becomes defensible. So, you know, right. related to that topic So that's, that's where they are That's what poor abortion That's what the mindset does Exactly And so
2: Okay, we will return to this topic um in the coming weeks because this is kind of an ongoing thing. You know, if you're praying for this situation, keep praying for this 11-year-old and her family. Pray for Judah, pray for cho- Choices for Life. I pray that um I would ask our audience to pray that threats against them will be taken seriously by the police and that they will um catch those that are making threats and you know, the law is a teacher. If the law doesn't catch up with people who make death threats against um, those that are trying to help, <laughs> um, then mm-hmm. then that's teaching people that it's okay to make death threats against pro-life individuals. It's okay to make death threats against the rape conceived. It's okay to perpetuate violence against victims of violence, prior violence. Right. and. Um, you know liberals think about what message that sends if you are find yourself on the other side of the fence on this uh, think about what message that sends okay Uh, i want to move on to our very last thing which is our stupidest thing ever that i promised and you're gonna love this because uh you know new york city and all those subways what better place to talk about this than, uh, than in the New York City subway, man spreading. Hey, this is not
0: first class. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, so in New York City, two individuals have been arrested in a new city ordinance that forbids men, in particular, talk about a sexist law. Men in particular from manspreading. What is
4: manspreading? In January, the Metropolitan Transit Authority rolled out an ad campaign reminding men to close their legs while seated on public transit. Even actor Tom Hanks was publicly you're shamed. You're now the face, you're the new face of manspreading. All right, this pisses is this me off.
0: <laughs> I was accused of manspreading because it looks as though I'm taking up two seats. And hey, internet. You idiot. (laughs) The
4: train was half empty. The train was presumably also not crowded when two Latino men were allegedly arrested for manspreading on May 22nd at 12.11 a.m. According to a report released by the Police Reform Organizing Project, this marks the first time manspreading led to an arrest. So,
2: manspreading, thou shalt not in New York City. And let's just talk about this as the most stupidest thing ever because number one, like I said, it is the the most modern example of a totally sexist ordinance ever, which also makes it the most stupidest thing ever. What do you think about that?
4: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I can't um, believe they, they actually was, pulled two men off the train for so spreading they were their legs up, a little far too far.
4: So they were, so was it that that they were taking too space or that they felt like they were um, being overly entitled in their maleness or something because <laughs> of their posture? <laughs> uh,
2: there, okay, the psychology and the sociology—the psychology behind the the law—and then the actual law are two separate yeah. things. So the 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 actual law itself says uh, the intention is is to promote polite sitting, I guess, for men, so that when men yeah. sit down, they don't take up too much space and intimidate people around them from sitting near them because, and, and you know, it's they're just taking up too much space. Maybe they don't want to be. So people can't sit right next but to them because, you know, their legs are in the way.
4: But when men, but when men are, are, um, are comfortable, they spread, you know? <laughs> so if you're so riding a subway, <laughs> Are you, you uncomfortable know, you saying comfortable? it? <laughs> I mean, I don't blame <laughs> Oh my goodness.
0: Wow. <laughs>
2: and yeah, talk about talk about um so so it's being framed in the idea of hey, you're taking up too much space, nobody can sit next to you when there's an open seat because you take up too much space um but earlier in that clip uh that, that that I didn't play was that women in particular uh, and then they just think they sought out the most liberal feminist type of women uh to comment right. on that and saying yes man spreading is wrong it is morally wrong it's a, it's a display of manhood blah blah you know insert ridiculous comment there <laughs> what is what, what is moral and, about
4: how you sit down i, I mean, know how-
0: right <laughs>
4: your posture when you sit down is now a moral debatable issue with all the moral issues that we have to debate in this world really
2: it is a, 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 a who which whichever feminist screams the loudest is just the one that gets the microphone unfortunately okay. um so so there we have it the most the stupidest thing ever i hope you enjoyed it new
4: york city everybody aren't we so proud well, I think it's, I think it's. I mean, the feminists are doing a great job of making themselves more and more irrelevant. The, you know, these the, the uber feminists, yes. um, not the original feminists, but these um, new uber liberal, um, you know, just wholly dramatic feminists. They are they're doing a great job of just really making themselves um, obsolete with things like this. Um, yeah. However, they do gain, they do gain some ground. But people who don't know how to think. So that's the other scary part. Uh, To to
2: men's credit, you know, if you you take this sitting down, ha-ha, yeah, I would question you. And people have been hitting back. Men have have been taking uh, pictures of women spreading their bags out all over the place. And, you know, what's all with this man spreading? Touche, man, touche. Touche. All right. So with that, we're going to call it a night. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, Melissa, for being a part of the show. You too, Thomas. Um, and we will see you on the next True Life Fridays radio. Thank you, audience, yep. for also being with us. Have a great night. God
0: bless. God bless everyone. God bless. God bless. <laughs> Hands open right Put your hands up, side by side.
1: Age don't matter, like race don't matter, like place don't matter, like what's inside. It's the kick drum, kick.